Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, a podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My co-host today is Nathan. Hello and thanks for having me again. Today's topic, Fantastic Four, also known as Fantastic Four, the animated series. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. So this is Marvel before the live action Marvel Cinematic Universe. This was this came out in 94. It ran for two seasons from 94 until 96. And so this was the same year as the animated Spider-Man series. I think two years after X-Men this decade, we got Iron Man, Silver Surfer. What else did we get? I think I'm oh, the Incredible Hulk. So many. And they had the similar animation style and characters would cross over into other series and would often have the same voice actor. So I feel like there's going to be an audience who loved the MCU, but I've not seen these. And Mm. they are all available on Disney+. Plus. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it's one of those cartoons that, you, you you say that it was released in 94 and ran for two seasons through to 96, but it feels incredibly dated watching it. It does. What I, and we'll get into the episodes, or at least I, I went back and I selected certain episodes to rewatch. Now, I did watch this as it first aired in the 90s, like I did the other Marvel shows. Yep. So I didn't go back for this and do a full rewatch of all 26 episodes. But as it's made available on Disney Plus, it just has one season, 26 episodes. So if you're Mm. just watching it like that, episode 14 is the season two premiere. And the second season animation is such a massive improvement. The first season is when you get the bright blue costumes, Mm. which does resemble Fantastic Four in the comics. I have always preferred what look like black costumes in season two, but really they're still blue. They're just adding the black for definition. Gotcha. But animation, I agree with you. That first season, Mm. it's rough. The animation is rough, although it's not quite to the standard of Spider-Man, which was from the same year. But you can see it belongs to a shared universe. Like you see it's similar Style. I mean, it's not mm. quite Bruce Tim doing Batman the Animated no. Series, Superman, Justice League, where it's a yeah. clear through line, but it yeah, does I mean, resemble the other shows. Yeah, I mean, Bruce Tim's style was iconic, and you know, it was so iconoclastic. You knew it was Bruce Tim across the line. There was, it was, there could be no doubt. With this, it's kind of like you know, you can you can make the parallels and you say, yeah, sure. You know, you can see how that looks like the same animation they use in Spider-Man. I mean, the, the first thing you see in the season two premiere is a close-up of the thing. And that's before you see the the new costumes or the redesign, mm. right? again, using the black. Mm. That close-up of the thing, straight away, you notice the big improvement from that first season. Yeah. It's, again, it's not minor. It's a big... Big difference. What's worth talking about, and I wouldn't normally bring up music so early in the review, the opening theme song from season one, I love it 
so much. It is so cheesy and poppy. And it's essentially like, even though it came out in 94, it's like an 80s pop song singing about the origin of the Fantastic yeah. Four. I remember you telling me off air, <laughs> your, 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 your love for that thing is well known. It is so, so good. Uh, season one and two had different composers. I don't know who actually did the theme song, like who is singing that. I do know the composer of season one was Giorgio Moroder. Mm-hmm. So he's worked on a lot of things. So before he did this show, or at least the first season, he began composing film soundtracks and scores, including Midnight Express, American Gigolo, Superman 3, Scarface, The Neverending Story, and he also works on the 1984 restoration of Metropolis. Oh, wow. All of that. And then he did the first season of this, which I don't know if it's his first TV work, but it's... Animated work, yeah. And again, just the quality of that first season maybe was a bit of a step down for him. But, you know, he did that first season. And season two was William Kevin Anderson. And it's a very different theme song. But what's really cool about the season two opening, it's where the first season you got a song about the origin of the Fantastic Four. We get that in visuals. So that famous Fantastic Four issue one cover, where you've got the green monster Mm -hmm. coming out of the pavement and they're in civilian clothes, you get that animated as part of the opening title sequence with other key moments from the history of the characters. So it does seem like definitely watching the episodes it well i was going to say it's more comic accurate but i think to give credit to season one that's probably a closer adaption of the comics put out by stanley and jack kirby back in the 60s yeah and then i mean pop culturally speaking so many things owe owe their existence to you know lee and kirby's fantastic four and have paid homage to it i mean look at what uh, matt groening did with the simpsons He, he even did a Simpsons comic book cover that references that exact same cover, and but using his characters rather than Fantastic Four. I think I even have that issue in my collection. It was the first issue of The Simpsons. Oh wow, that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. I think I, yeah, I've got yep. something as well. Like yeah, there's been so many homages over the years. Like yeah, yeah. There's, there's been. There's I mean, been Lee, Lee and Kirby are, are titans. They're huge in terms of pop cultural canon and storytelling, um, and, and stuff like that. Jack. Jack Kirby and Stanley, you know, and even if you want to bring Steve Ditko into it as well, like they're, they're just iconic names, huge. So back in the early to mid nineties, Genesis Entertainment and New World Entertainment syndicated a new Fantastic Four animated series as part of the Marvel Action Hour weekend block, later renamed Marvel Action Universe, with the addition of another show. The first half of the hour was an episode of Iron Man. The second half, an episode of Fantastic Four. During the first season, Stanley was featured speaking before each show about characters in the following episode, which had inspired him to create them. So I remember watching that hour block. I never, I don't think I ever saw it as the renamed Marvel Action Universe, but Marvel Action Hour, which had its own theme song, was just so cool. Like I remember growing yeah. up, those other Marvel shows that I mentioned, Incredible Hulk, Silver Surfer, I watched all of those. I mean, like most people, X-Men and Spider-Man were the favorites, yeah. but Fantastic Four in particular, I always had a soft spot for. 
So we didn't get the lesser known shows over here. We got X-Men and Spider-Man. Um, they were big and they, they played over here on, on Saturday morning TV or early morning TV cartoons before we went to school and stuff like that. Or when we got home from school. I don't think we had the Marvel action hour that you speak of that you got to watch over in the UK that this show was obviously on or a part of. Yeah, Saturday mornings, BBC One. That's where that's where I used to watch that. We could talk a little bit about the cast. Yeah. Bo Weaver as Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. He also voiced other characters as well. He did that, like, I think back then, and it still happens today, like you'd have a voice actor who voiced their main character, but will often do other characters Additional, as well, especially yeah. if they've been hired as a voice actor. Yeah. And for me, like, again, growing up watching this show, Bo Weaver sounds just like Mr. Fantastic. That's it's yeah. his voice. I mean, it's not quite Cal Dodd Wolverine, but it's his <laughs> voice I hear when I think Fantastic Four. Yeah, everyone's got that character that who's... Or everyone's got that voice actor that they hear in their head when they're reading their comic book counterpart. You're right. You reference it with Cal Dodd's Wolverine. Laurie Allen as Susan Storm Richards. In this show, Invisible Woman, which even today is what we know her as. In the comics for years, though, she was known as Invisible Girl. They modeled this show after more recent comics where she had changed her name to the Invisible Woman, which it makes more sense for her character mm. not to be Invisible Girl. Chuck McCann as Ben Grimm, The Thing. And very early on for him, they introduce, well, in the first episode, Alicia Masters, who is the, is he, I, can't, I watched it recently. Is she the stepdaughter of the puppeteer? Is that... No idea. Well, he's the big bad, isn't he? The puppet master. Right. Sorry, the puppet master is the big bad, voiced by Neil Ross. Because the f- I always found it interesting how they had the first two episodes be like a retelling of the origin, but it had them on a chat show. So yeah. I always liked that format. That that's how we're first going to hear. We're going to get the flashbacks to their origin, and puppet master was very prominent in those early episodes because mm. he was introduced before Dr. Doom. It was also yeah. in season one voiced by Neil Ross. So yeah. there you go. I watched the Doom episodes. And Alicia Masters uh, voiced by Pauline Arthur Lomas. Season one only, we've got Brian Austin Green as Johnny Storm, the human oh, wow. torch. He's the guy from Beverly Hills 90210. I know he's done other things. I think he was in mm. that, that Terminator mm. TV series, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I think he was the brother of Kyle Reese. It's been a long gotcha. time since yeah. I've since I've seen that. But he the did leave. But he did leave after season one and was replaced by Quinton Flynn. So oh, two seasons, two different people playing the same, the same character. Same so we could talk a little bit about the episodes that we did watch. I've got a feeling from how much you're giving me here that I maybe watched a few more than you did as part of this. Yeah, and you would be watch. correct. I literally watched four or five episodes. I watched the very first one um, with my girlfriend, Sarah, and then I wa- we watched the, uh, I think it was a three or four parts Doctor Doom ep- uh, episode. We caught that as well. 
Ah, okay, cool. Doom, so the yeah, Doom was Doom was really where my interests were here, watching the cartoon. That's fair, and and you know, outside of the first couple of episodes, he is very prominent throughout. Mm. So the origin of the Fantastic Four was a three-parter. So that was the first three episodes. So that's where we were having those flashbacks to on the TV show. And I also watched The Silver Surfer and The Coming of Galactus because this is Galactus. I mean, to give this show credit, it is comic accurate. I mean, Galactus in this is a giant man in the sky, a giant Mm. purple man. (laughs) That's that's what he is. And um, very comic accurate. I mean, that Fantastic Four movie, Rise of the Silver Surfer, they went for the ultimate comics version of a Galactus where he was just this gas in the sky. Galactus, yeah. Yeah, never been a fan of that. And that's what we got in that movie. Mm. So to the show's credit, it does actually give us Galactus. And also The Watcher. I mean, recently on Disney Plus, we had the What If series. Yes, The Watcher. I'm pretty sure this animated series was the first time that the Watcher was animated and he Mm. warns them about the coming of Galactus. So that was, um, that was cool. Because the Silver Surfer, Silver Surfer was his herald, right? That's right. Yeah. We've got Tony Jay Mm. who voiced Galactus and he had a very familiar sounding voice. I had to look him up. He portrayed Nigel St. John in seven episodes of the first two seasons of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. So he was someone that was employed by Lex, played by John Shea, and he would go off and do his bidding. Yes, he's got a very distinctive voice. I really like his casting here. And you mentioned Silver Surfer, voiced in season one by Robin Sachs. And then he continues to be fairly prominent in season two and then got his own spin-off series, which was just 13 episodes I have well, watched that, but back when it first came out, so I've got I haven't got too many memories of that to be honest. Just mm-hmm. like his origin before he becomes the Herald, something happens to his planet, Galactus double crosses him, and then he becomes the Herald, which well, is pretty Galactus, much just like he's a devourer of planets. Yeah, he eats planets. Now, as I was watching season one, I was looking forward to getting to season two and starting with. And a blind man shall lead them. The Fantastic Four lose their powers, inspiring Doctor Doom to conquer their headquarters. Daredevil comes to the mm. team's aid. This nice. is great. This is a good, good Daredevil. I'm liking yeah. him here, similar to how we got him in Spider-Man. Yep. And he's interacting with the, with the, with the Fantastic Four. So it's a shared universe. And that's it. It absolutely is a shared universe. A Daredevil voiced by uh, Bill Smithovich. Mm-hmm. So this was like years before we got Ben Affleck in that oh, yeah. movie from, what was that, 2003? Charlie Cox. Yeah. Charlie Cox, yeah. Who is coming yeah. back as Daredevil yeah, yeah. in the so Echo TV series. So that's, I um, did hear about that, yes. And then I think uh, Vincent Donforio is also reprising his role as Kingpin for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he first came back in the Hawkeye TV series, but then, yeah, he's continuing that character mm. in Echo. So that's... Um, we're seeing that in the films now. We're seeing the shared universe come into effect in the films now, obviously with Spider-Man and We're Home. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, getting slightly sidetracked here, but Netflix was always supposed to be connected to the MCU and then it wasn't, and now it kind of is again. And just, yeah, it's a case of just watch this space. I mean, Mm -hmm. that Marvel Studios Inhumans series was shocking. But if you (laughs) want to see Inhumans done better, there's the three-part Inhuman saga, season two of Fantastic Four. So I rewatched those episodes, uh, not an inhuman, but we've got Hydro Man, who I more associate with a as being a, a Spider-Man villain, voiced by Brad Garrett. Oh wow. The brother from Everybody Loves Raymond. Everyone loves Raymond, yes. <laughs> yes, He's I mean got a very again distinct voice. Very, yeah, very, very distinct voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I did remember from watching this years ago, Johnny Storm and Crystal having a relationship. And that's been the same in the comics as well. Like it has been in a relationship with uh, members of the Inhumans before, as well as Crystal, her sister, Medusa. So when we're first introduced to Medusa here, she seems to be a villain, but then she's got her own motives. Johnny goes after her. The Fantastic Four Inhumans end up teaming up together. Um, Among the Inhumans, we have Gorgon, Voiced by Michael Dawn. I mean, he's one of those voices straight away. Wow. Hey, it's Worf from Star Trek. Yeah. Just Come like on, that, Worf. <laughs> just like the old Star Wars, not Star Wars, just like the old Disney cartoon Gargoyles. And mm, straight away, right. Goliath, the the leader of the Gargoyles, Michael that's Dawn. Right. No mistaking <laughs> his voice. Completely off topic. I've been watching that uh, Gargoyles cartoon recently as well. I caught a few episodes of it because I've always wanted to get around to watching it, and I finally did. So, it's yeah, another I one that I watched back in the day on the Disney Channel, and it's one of the yeah. first things I watched when Disney Plus first launched. I think yeah. like the the origin or the like the first uh, the first few episodes. I think it's like a five parter, and that's what yeah. I watched. It's it's a lot of episodes. Oh yeah, it's a dark cartoon too. I can see why people took issue with it or why it was controversial. Yeah, oh, I've always had a, a love of that show. It's a great concept. The castle is mm. moved. <laughs> it's, I know, it's a lot of future. It's, it was great. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. A highlight for me: Nightmare in Green. Doctor Doom oh, yeah. manipulates the Unstoppable Hulk into fighting the Fantastic Four. Only the Thing's girlfriend, Alicia, can help, and that's a strong through line with the show: the relationship between Alicia and Ben Grimm. I've always nice. liked that. They've always handled that that very well and the casting of hulk here is fantastic ron perlman so i was good. just and, about to say and honestly, me i knew that ron perlman voiced hulk but it wasn't until doing the rewatch he's bruce banner as well <laughs> so wow that's so cool i just assumed that i got him for the hulk personality but now he's bruce banner as well I and to be seen- honest it's pretty much Perlman's talking voice. So there's no yeah. mistaking that it's him, but I liked that bit of casting. No, it's him. That's crazy. I see, I never made it that far in, into the series with my with my with my watching of it to prep for this episode. But um, you know, after the fact, I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that episode just to hear Perlman, you know, uh, as Hulk, because I love Perlman as Hellboy. That's how I came to know him. So to hear him do Hulk would be fantastic. And as you can imagine, it's almost 20 minutes of Hulk and Thing hitting each other. Yeah, <laughs> thing going, it's clobbering time. <laughs> yeah, it's all here. It's all here. Um, although 
Hulk is wearing blue torn pants and not mm-hmm. purple. But there we go. Ah. I guess it all depends on what banner he's wearing. <laughs> he's not yeah. always wearing purple. True. And the final episode that I watched for this rewatch is the last episode. And mm-hmm. it had been a long time since I'd seen it. And I thought maybe they were building to something like having a big send-off. It yeah. kind of just ends. Wow, don't you hate that? It's just anticlimactic. I mean, the, I'll get to it. There was a planned, or at least a proposed season three that never happened. So I guess they didn't know at the time it was going to be the very last one that they make. It was titled Doomsday. Wishing to take over the world, Doctor Doom steals Silver Surfer's power cosmic again and becomes literally unbeatable. The Fantastic Four figure that the only thing stopping him now is Galactus's power, so they need to get the board away from Doom. So we've talked about how this does have a shared continuity, Mm. and it's really apparent here. Characters appear, no dialogue, but they're just involved in fight scenes, but they are quick scenes. So this is who we see as part of the finale, the last episode ever. Captain America, Hercules, She-Hulk, Vision, and although we don't see any X-Men, we do see the X-Jet getting taken down by Doom. Oh, wow. There you go. So there we go. So that was pretty cool. And just talking about how... You know, again, it clearly is a shared continuity. The yep. Incredible Hulk series that came out in 96, Simon Templeman reprises his role of Doctor Doom for guest appearances in two episodes. And then later on, the original Fantastic Four actors reprise their roles in episodes. So That's there cool. you go, cementing it as a, as a shared universe. So if the show had been picked up for a third season... One of the producers on the show said they wanted to go into the whole Sue Storm pregnancy story arc that would oh, well. also have given a chance for the Submariner to return as he played into the whole thing. So the idea was from the second season onwards to be a, not so much an adult show, but a more grown-up show. Like they'd done that with the animation style, mm. and I guess just with the storylines, they were looking at going in a more grown-up direction but it never it never happened and with that third season they were considering bringing in um she-hulk who did get that almost blinking your misappearance yeah had this have happened in more recent times this cartoon you could have easily done uh the sue storm pregnancy storyline and and had bought a lot bought in franklin richards their son who goes on of course to have something to do with onslaught which was the um the personas of both Xavier and Magneto, you know, psychically. So there was potential there, but yeah, it ended up just being two seasons. And they did do um, comics. There was an eight-issue mm-hmm. comic book series based on the show. Um, and they also did a Marvel Action Hour Fantastic Four series as well, which ran from November 94 to June 95. The did you ever find guys- these comics? Did you ever collect or find these comics yourself? I think I did. I think I do remember having some comics that tied into the cartoon, and I probably bought them for that very reason. That kind of reminds me a lot of the the X Men animated series, how they did the spin off comic, or which which were basically adaptations of the cartoon, and that was the um, 
X-Men animated adventures. I got a handful of those too. So it's, it's a very similar thing. It was common. I mean, now as recent as the Young Justice animated series, which is back for the Phantoms season, mm. they're making Young Justice comics that tie into that continuity. I remember getting X-Men Evolution comics, you know, Batman yeah. the animated series. So, yeah, so they've, they've done tie-in comics yeah. a lot. Of the merchandising, an action figure line based on the TV show was produced by Toy Biz and ran for four series. The line included the main characters and many of the various guest stars, as well as characters that never actually appeared on the show, such as Dragon Man and Thanos. I did have some of these toys. Wow. That's interesting. So it's going to be... Well, interesting to hear what you think, because obviously you've had more of a sample of this show and at least, you know, one episode, you're going to go back and watch more. But I'm curious what you think of this show. So what would you rate it from what you've seen out of five? I'd probably come in at like, say, I'm going to go probably about a three to three and a half out of five. I mean, to me, it, it does feel dated. Um and that's not a slight or a criticism of the show. It's just, it's merely an observation. The show is good. Uh, it's faithful to its characters. Um, uh, the designs are all there. The animation style, while looking a little dated, uh, admittedly, is not terrible. So it's, but I, I just don't have the, the, the emotional ties to it or the, the uh, affection for it that you did, especially with the theme song. Um, so for me, it's it's a little less of a score. Like for me, it's it's coming in in the threes. It's it's not up the high end of the fives for me. That's just personally how I feel about it. But again, it's not a bad show by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I mean, it, it is Fantastic Four. I mean, we got the the Tim Story movies. We got the Josh Trank Fantastic Four movie. There's there's still a good Fantastic Four film to be made and. Marvel Studios mm. are going to be making one. But I think Agreed. this is a good Fantastic Four show. And if you're unfamiliar with the Fantastic Four, you've not read the comics, you've only seen the films that I just mentioned, and you're excited to see what Marvel Studios do, this show is worth watching. Even if like what you've done and what I've done now, just like select certain episodes just to get a feel for it. Like if you want to experience mm. Fantastic Four without picking up a comic book before the MCU, this show is in. the one to watch. Yeah. Like they've made yeah. other animated Fantastic Four shows. Like one came out before this, I believe in the 60s. There was <laughs> a third one that they made, which was anime inspired. They had white and purple costumes. Oh, the wow. thing had a... Fantastic Four logo spray painted on his chest in purple. Yes, I remember. I think that was, what was that called? That fun, I had a title, like Fantastic Four Earth's, not Earth's Mightiest Heroes, that's Avengers. But it had a name. It wasn't, or maybe it was just New Fantastic Four. I've seen some of that one. This is the show to watch. And again, I'd mm. probably maybe check out the three-part opening and then just jump to season two. Some of the best episodes are season two. And, it, and again, and that comes down to the the animation style, big improvement there, and just the new costumes. The black works very well in animation. I wouldn't want that in live action. But tonally, I think it just gave the characters a bit more edge. So there's a lot to mm-hmm. like here. 
But again, I've got the nostalgia for it, you know, the theme song, three out of five. Like it is, it is a recommend. It's not the best, you know, Marvel shows from that era. But it's an accurate representation of who they are. Yeah, it's good. Like this is mm. Fantastic Four. In fact, you know what? That first show they did, Human Torch wasn't even in it. They had Herbie, the machine, like the, the robot. It was Herbie oh, wow. instead. So even that wasn't like the Fantastic Four, though that's what the show was, was called. So the mm. true, the first true Fantastic Four animated series, it's this one. It's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I'm definitely going to revisit it, I think, because as you say, the, se- the second season quality increases exponentially and there's episodes I do want to see. So I will revisit it for the second season and cherry pick some episodes. Well, that's it for our episode all about Fantastic Four. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic from upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.